You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority. The list goes on and on. If you've got a question about anything at all, pick up the phone and call us. Today we're doing something very special. I've got some guys joining me from Duralite, and we are going to talk all about charger coolers, everything you've ever wanted to know. And even if you didn't want to know it, you need to know it. We're going to cover it today. So joining me from Duralite, I've got Mike Bagshaw and Jim Master. Hey, guys, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Doing great. Great to have you here from north of the border. We are north of the border, and we also have Dean Luchenko here with us as well today. Ah, so you guys are triple teaming me today. We are. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, You know, there's so much to talk about. This is a topic we've been wanting to do for a very long time. So I'm really glad you guys are joining us and uh, bringing us the real scoop on charger coolers. I'm going to start off by making a claim, and I don't have any scientific proof to back this up. You guys probably have good numbers, but I, I would say that a leaking charger cooler is the most common undiagnosed problem on large trucks today. What do you think? Yes, we would agree with you 100% on that, Kevin. We see it time and time again. In fact, uh, our sales reps are out on the road across North America are constantly going into dealerships and diesel repair shops um, to work with customers with our product, and we find... Time and time again, they've gone and spent thousands of dollars trying to, you know, determine what the challenge is, whether it's lack of power or other symptoms of a leaking charger or cooler, and the cooler is often the last thing tested. And again, we've literally heard stories of ten plus thousand dollars having been spent, and had they have just checked the leaking or checked the charger or cooler at the beginning to find out it was leaking, they would have saved themselves a significant amount of time, effort, and money. It, it, the the problem with this and the reason why it's so widespread for, you know, we can get into some basics here. So I'll throw it out. A, a charger cooler is kind of like a radiator, but instead of having a liquid flowing through it, we have air flowing through it. So that's where part of the problem comes in. If you have a leaking radiator, you see it. The liquid comes out. It's on the ground. It's there. The problem with a charger cooler when it's leaking, it's just air coming out. We can't see it. It doesn't leave any traces even if we're looking at it right when it's happening, we don't see it. So the only way to diagnose this is to test for it. That's correct. If you don't test, you can't tell if it's leaking or not. Yeah, so how often would you guys recommend testing? So we recommend, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, 
as often as, as they're getting maintenance done on their trucks. So every six to 12 months, we realize in some circumstances, guys aren't gonna have the, the wherewithal to get it tested every six months, but certainly once a year, we recommend them getting it tested. You know, our data as well is a little bit outdated, but we know as of about four or five years ago, um, based on some research and data that was collected, that about 30 to 35% of trucks that were two years old and older had a leaking charger or cooler in it. So, you know, as the truck gets older, we'd certainly recommend, if not annually, certainly semi-annually, that you're checking your charger or cooler. Um, and I know we'll chat more about it as we go, Kevin, but the cost of a leaking charger or cooler, you know, depending on fuel prices, duty cycles, et cetera, you know, can certainly range from, you know, $1,000 up to four, five, six thousand $6,000 a year in fuel. So it's, it's definitely worth the time and effort to get the cooler tested. Absolutely. We are going to get into more of that detail later, how to test it, a couple different methods, how often, and, and you know, more often I think would be better. We'll talk about all that. But uh, give us a little idea of, of where you guys come from, your background, the company, those kind of things. So, Kevin, I'll start. So this is Mike speaking. I'll just start off. Um, i am uh, been with Duralite for about four years um, as the the sales manager for, uh, for Duralite, and uh, came from a very different background. I came from um, being involved in running a bunch of radio stations. So this was a, a brand new venture for me, which I've thoroughly enjoyed getting into the trucking industry, as you, as you well know, is a phenomenal industry. So it's been a great experience, huge learning curve for me, but I've been here for about four years and uh, have thoroughly enjoyed the experience. And now I'll have Jim, who's, I think, employee number four of Duralite. <laughs> When I started, Duralite was a very small company. Um, I've been here for 22 years um, and basically done many, many different jobs here, but primarily having to do with sales and design. And currently, I'm product and business development manager. Uh, prior to Duralite, varied history in uh, construction, material sales, and other things like that. But I've uh, been with Duralite now 22 years. So. Since day one, pretty much. And for those listeners that have had some interaction with us, have probably come across Jim one way or another. He's a uh, huge resource to us, has a tremendous wealth of uh, knowledge and experience. Dean? Hi, Kevin. Uh, you and I... Hey there. The, well, <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting you. I don't know if it works both ways. In council... Plus, it it did. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Uh, I'm the regional sales manager for Western Canada, and I've been with Duralite for three years now. Um, it's been absolutely an awesome experience, and, and as you know, of course, from time to time, I will travel south of the border uh, to do some support work on, on that side as well. Um, you know, my background has uh, taken me from growing up in the prairies uh, from the time I was a child looking at large machines blowing black smoke and saying to myself, I want to get behind the wheel of one of those one day, all the way to uh, the West Coast where I did um, actually get my operator's license for Class 8 vehicles, and uh, I spent some time on the I-5 on the west side of our country. And, um, and I moved back after being married uh, and having a child out on the West Coast to the prairies. And uh, I have a passion for working with people and, uh, and for sales. And I continue my passion for uh, the mechanics and the science behind all of these machines. 
Outstanding. So it, it, let, let's jump right into some some charger cooler stuff. And we're going to talk more about um, Duralight specifically and the difference in designs on charger coolers. But before we do that, let's talk about a charger cooler itself. Trucks haven't always had charger coolers, right? That's correct. Um, they started appearing uh, pretty much in the mid 80s, 1980s, and uh, became fairly common uh, pretty much across the board by about 88. Uh, Cummins was the last holdout, I think, and uh, they were using a water jacket style air cooler uh, up until about 1988, but everybody since then pretty much has been on board with charge air coolers. Yeah, so, and we could go back a little bit further. The reason we have a need for a charger cooler is because we have turbocharged engines. And, you know, for the real old timers, there are some of us that remember some trucks without turbochargers. That is correct. They used to be naturally aspirated, which would be kind of unusual. The old two strokes had superchargers on them. So there's all kinds of variations prior to the. Uh, almost standardization of uh, charged air cooler four cycle engines, uh, which pretty much everybody is these days. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, and, you know, a little history is always fun, but um, this really is just pretty much standard now. We, we have turbocharged four cycle diesel engines and they're all um, cooled. So let's talk about the process of, I kind of like to, do something we you know we call back to the basics and we assume that the there are people listening who have no idea what we're talking about and I'd like to kind of explain things from the beginning for them so um, how about one of you kind of going through what happens to the air as it's coming into the truck one of the things that diesel engines need lots of to to really perform well is lots of good clean cool air and so why don't you kind of walk us through the process of how that air flows how it comes into the in or into the truck what it goes through and and you know how the charger cooler is a part of that sure uh, obviously the first Entry point for air is the air filter, and air is drawn through the air filter down into the uh, compressor side of the turbocharger where it is compressed. During that compression, um, it uh, gets heated up as well as being compressed. Oh, hold, hold that oh. thought right there. So we're going to come back, and the air has come in through the filter. We get it nice and clean. It's entering the compressor side of the turbocharger and we're going to pick up with that right after this break stick around we'll be right back i'm kevin rutherford
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We are talking about charge air coolers today. We're going to teach you everything you need to know and maybe even a little more. And uh, the guys from Duralight are here helping me out. So pick up where we left off there. The air's coming into the turbocharger, and I think you were going to talk about what happens to it as it gets compressed. Yes, as it gets compressed, it not only gets compressed, but it also heats up just from the um, just from the process of being compressed creates a lot of heat. So that heated compressed air flows from the turbo out through some piping to the charge air cooler, flows across the front of the radiator through the charge air cooler, then back into the intake manifold. Um, temperatures at the outlet of the turbo vary, but typically are in the 400 to 450 degree Fahrenheit range, uh, flow across the front through the charge air cooler and will be cooled down to within about 40 degrees of ambient. So if it's 80 degrees out, it'll be about 120 at the intake manifold. Uh, the whole idea of cooling that air down is it allows you to get more pounds of air into the engine, because as the air cools off, it occupies less space. So it's uh, more pounds of air, which gives you more power and cleaner burn and all that good stuff. So that's the theory. Yeah, let me, let, let me jump in there real quick, because you're right. We want, I said in the beginning, diesel engines need lots and lots of cold, cool air, as much as we can get into the cylinder, really. The, the more, the better. They, they burn the fuel better. So the two things are happening. One, by the fact that it's cooler, we're getting more of it, which is the primary reason to cool it. But also bringing that temperature down, we don't want to raise the temperature in the cylinder by bringing hot air in. We want to bring as, as much cool air in as we can. So that's the whole idea behind the charger cooler. It works just like a radiator, a heat exchanger. The problem is when it leaks, we never know it. You just uh, it's amazing how many trucks are running around with charger coolers leaking. And what that does then is that's less air um, we're getting into the cylinder. We're losing that air pressure through the leak, correct? That's right. Excellent. Great stuff. So now we know what it's there for. Surprising how many people you know, don't even realize it's up there. It's in, in the front of the truck, looks like a radiator. Usually you've got a, a bunch of things sandwiched together, a radiator, an AC condenser, charger, cooler. Um, those are all up in the front. So let's talk a little bit about, um, before we get to testing, let's talk more about what happens when we do have a leak. And a leak could be varying degrees. We could have a very small leak. I've tested charger coolers that won't hold any pressure at all. I know you guys have as well. What, how does that affect the performance of the engine? What kind of symptoms might we see? The symptoms that we would see, Kevin, uh, are low horsepower. Um, poor fuel economy. Uh, if the truck's equipped with the DPF system, we would see that filter plug up prematurely because we, um, as you alluded to, we require a lot of air to burn that diesel efficiently. When we're not putting that air in the combustion chamber, the, uh, uh, the chances of putting partially burnt diesel and large soot particles through that system uh, increase. So those are, those are the top triggers. That's a really... 
That, that's a really good point. Let me jump in there because that is a problem we see a lot of on trucks after 08. We see DPF problems and the DPF is kind of like a all for engine related problems. Almost every engine problem we see on a diesel means increased soot. If we're not burning the fuel properly, we're going to have more soot. It used to be you would just blow that soot out the stack and you'd be wasting fuel. You're still doing that now on a truck after 08, but you've created a new problem in that you're going to, to clog that DPF a lot faster. You're going to have many more passive regens, then you're going to have more active regens, then we're going to have to take this thing off and clean it. So one problem of you know a leaking charger cooler, which increases the soot, creates a whole new problem on trucks after 08, because we have a, a clogged DPF, which is its own problem itself, because it reduces performance and fuel economy and costs us a bunch of money. Yes, absolutely. Um, I spend a lot of time in the field, and uh, I go over this on a regular basis with end users and with uh, distributors for the Duralite products. And uh, it's actually amazing. I, I'm very, very happy to have the opportunity to speak with you on this show because it's amazing how many people um, call back and thank me uh, for spending the time with them and, and as I like to say it, slowing it down and connecting the dots because most of the guys we talk to have knowledge of this but they really don't slow down enough to think about how all of the components are connected to a properly functioning charge air cooler. You know, it's interesting. Um, you would hope that the shops would know this kind of stuff, but it is surprising. And over the years, I, I've done kind of my own little research and testing. I'll go into a shop and I'll say, hey, you know, I've got this truck. My my horsepower seems to be down. You know, I'm dropping an extra gear on the hills. My fuel economy's dropped. I, I've got an oil sample and it's showing high soot. You know, what kind of things could cause that? And I, I will tell you, 19 times out of 20, nobody ever mentions the charger cooler. Correct. That, that's absolutely our experience. Like, it, it's fascinating. You know, I'm, as we talked about the beginning, I'm based out of Calgary, Canada, and have the privilege of traveling around across Canada and the U.S. to meet with various dealers and distributors of our product. And we've got some tremendous people that we work with. But I'm still often surprised at how infrequently that comes up and then when it does come up, how little knowledge, you know, some of these guys can rebuild an engine uh, with their eyes closed, but actually have very little knowledge about the charger or cooler, how to test it, and what the consequences of the leaking cooler are. So it's been one of the, the fascinating things for me in this industry is how little people know about charger or coolers, and even people that uh, are very yeah. educated in the industry. Yeah, and again, talking about shops, now, I, I've talked for years about how important it is to build relationships with shops, not just to randomly say, oh, my truck's broke down, there's a shop over there, I'll let them fix it. Sometimes you have to do that, but I, I tell owner operators and fleet owners, you've got to work hard to build that relationship because it's really important. And, and there was a time um, I, I had just moved all of my trucks down to Florida and I was looking for a shop. So I was trying to build that relationship and I took a, one of my trucks in and I had a list of stuff I wanted him to check. And I, I said, and while it's in here, test the charger cooler. 
And they looked at me kind of funny and they said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I, I want it tested. It hasn't been tested in a couple months. So do it while it's in here. And I, I had been testing my own and I just didn't have time. I wanted them to do it. And I was wondering why they looked at me so funny. When I came back to pick up the truck, I looked at my bill and there was this outrageous charge for testing the charger cooler. And I said, guys, what's this cost? I said, it's 15 or 20 minutes. I said, if you want to hit me with the hour minimum, I can live with that. But I've got several hundred dollars on here. Actually, it was more than that. And they said, well, you know, it takes a lot of time to take that charger cooler out and put it back in. And I said, what? They sent it out to somebody with a dunk tank to test it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, they <laughs> pulled, pulled the charger cooler out, shipped it out to a shop that, that does dunk tanks. So they submerge it underwater with everything closed off. And um, that, yeah. So I said, okay, guys, we're going to have a little class. If we're, if, if we're going to work together, <laughs> I'm going to show you how to test the charger cooler in 15 or 20 minutes and only have to take off a couple of hoses, not yeah. pull the whole front end of my truck apart. But it's but, crazy, though. That, we, we see stories like that quite regularly. Like, it's just fascinating. You know, it's such a simple part on the truck, but has such a huge impact on the performance of the truck. You'd think that people would... You know, mechanics in particular would have a better understanding of its relevancy to the to the performance, but it's it's just it's fascinating to uh, to hear these kinds of stories because they go on quite often. Yeah, you know, we we do a ton of oil analysis on the show, and yes. one of the things I'm always looking for is any increase in soot. And we look at an oil sample very different than the lab does. The lab may not flag soot levels until they get up into the three and four percent. And, you know, the oil manufacturers claim that their oil can handle up to seven percent soot without doing any damage to the engine because it keeps it dispersed. But what we're looking for is even small increases because soot is a really good indicator of how well the engine is performing. And we want engines to perform at their peak all the time. So, for example, a, a pre-emission Series 60 Detroit, really clean burning engine if it's running right, we might see soot levels at 0.1. And if they go to 0.6 or 0.7, I'm going to start looking at why and, and troubleshooting. And we'll talk about that in just a minute when we get back. And then we're going to get into how to test the charger cooler. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
We're talking about charger coolers, and I have the guys who know what they're talking about from Duralight helping me out. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, how to test the charger cooler. Hey, guys, I, I had like six things going on at once here, and I know <laughs> I was talking about something right before the break. What was the thought I needed to finish before we talked about testing? Well, the one, if we could, and we kind of missed it when we were explaining um, a little bit about the symptoms, was do you mind if we jump back for a quick sec, Kevin, on why they No, that'd be great. Yeah. Charge our coolers fail. Jim, do you want to maybe elaborate on that for us as sure. to why a traditional charge air cooler fails? Sure. So as I said earlier, the temperatures coming out of that turbo are quite hot, and aluminum expands and contracts. These things are made out of aluminum, and they expand and contract a lot with temperature and pressure changes. And that expansion and contraction just, just causes those traditional charge air coolers to fail. Those tubes in the core expand with every time the throttle is pushed and contract when they cool off, and eventually that expansion and contraction causes metal fatigue. The metal fatigue results in little cracks, and almost always you'll see those cracks on the hot side or the turbo side of the charger cooler. Um, if you sprayed a little bit of soapy water on the thing with a little bit of pressure on it, you'd see the bubbles coming out, and uh, that's where they, they occur. And uh, if it wasn't for that, Duralight wouldn't be in business because we built the better mill. Better mousetrap. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Why, why we're on that real quick, why don't you explain the difference in the design and, and why you guys can have a crazy seven-year million-mile warranty? Well, we thought it was crazy when we put the seven-year million-mile warranty on, too, but uh, so far it's been working out just fine for us. Um, <laughs> Good. The reason why we have a better mousetrap is... Uh, when we first saw the, the failure mode in these traditional charge air coolers, uh, we thought, why not isolate the tube from the end tank? So what we did is uh, designed a cooler that isolates the tube from the end tank by using a, a high-temperature uh, silicone seal on each tube. So the tube can expand and contract freely within that charge air cooler without stressing the tube. And... Uh, we have yet to see a tube failure caused by thermal fatigue. Can I add to that? Absolutely. You know, uh, more so than just the uh, expanding and contracting tubes, that um, high-temperature silicone grommet seal allows for the uh, movement, if, if any, on the front end when the truck is on rough, uneven, or soft surfaces. And up here in Canada, trust me, uh, I have clients who sell to fleets who travel into the Northwest Territories. And um, what I've heard from them is that the traditional tube and fin cooler is only giving them a maximum of eight months on certain roadways. Uh, when they use the Duralite Evolution grommeted cooler, they have no problems at all. Uh, yeah, that that's awesome. You know, this is one of those designs that, that when I look at it, it, it's one of those, oh yeah, why didn't I think of that? You know what? Why didn't somebody else think of that? But there, you know, there are so many cases of that. It, it's simple. It's nothing overly complicated about it. And it just works so well. And the proof really is in the performance and the fact that you can offer that crazy warranty. And because, you know, it's going to last. I mean, it, it, it's wonderful that that warranty's there, but very few people ever need it. 
Yeah, and that's the great part from a, a sales standpoint. Um, the bulk of us here are on the sales side of it on this call. And, you know, it's great to be able to go out and sell a product that you've got so much confidence in, confidence in knowing that, you know, for the last 23-ish years we've been selling this product and we have a less than 1% failure rate. So the ability to offer that seven-year million-mile warranty um, just gives that, that peace and, and assurance, I guess, to the customer of what they're buying. You know, and, and what that means, and I think everyone listening understands that, but really what that warranty means is lack of downtime. You know, that, there's a less than 1% chance that that truck is going to be down over the next seven years for anything related to a charger or cooler. And so, you know, again, the people listening have to kind of factor that into, you know, what, what does downtime really cost me? And we've tried to spend some time figuring that out, and it just really varies from industry to industry and regional areas and whatnot on what that actually costs them. But, you know, each trucker knows roughly a day down costs me X amount of dollars, and you can be rest assured with the Duralite product that there's a less than 1% chance that you're going to experience that during that, that seven-year period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I was talking, I remembered what I was talking about. I was talking about the soot levels in oil samples and how close we watch them. And when I see an increase in soot, I have a standard list of things I want people to check. You know, we want to check for intake restriction. Maybe the, the air filter is clogged and we're not getting good airflow. Then we follow through, check for any problems at the turbo, test the charger cooler, which we're going to talk about. We look for exhaust restrictions when there's too much soot. We look for uh, timing issues, the overhead being set wrong. So uh, of all the things to, to test for, and when I see it and I give people the list and I say, you know, check these things out. And if you can call me back or email me and let me know what it is. I'd like to keep track of, you know, what kind of things cause the high soot. And after years of doing this, I, I will tell you the most common reason we find is a leaking charger cooler, and it's one of the easiest things to test. It is, yeah, no question. In fact, all Dean, do you want to maybe elaborate a little bit? Kevin, do you want us to jump into to the testing process? Yeah. Yep. Let's do that. You want to jump into that? Sure. You know, you do most of it, or do a lot of it. You know, yeah, Kevin, you know, we, we, we tested a lot of trucks at CMC Live this year. We, with our, with our Duralite tester kit, um, we were easily averaging over five trucks per hour. Um, I, I go out in the field, and in, in a pair of dress pants and a long sleeve dress shirt, I honestly average 14 minutes on a test. So wow. the simplicity yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. You know, if the drivers can't get into doing that themselves or fleet owners doing it themselves, then, uh, you know, I often joke maybe they should take a look at, uh, at a different uh, source of income. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's as simple as, as taking a hose clamp off the uh, inlet and at the outlet of the cooler. Uh, we can often bend the piping back with the flexible boots that are uh, on the system and uh, insert a plug. That plug is much like your power steering plug. It expands uh, when, we, when we compress it, and that blocks off the flow of air. One side is ported where we can connect a uh, regulator fitting onto it and pressure the system up. We also have in our tester kit safety clamps to make sure that our plugs under pressure do not fly out and hurt anybody 
or damage any other components on that truck. The, uh, the rule of thumb for testing is pressure that cooler to 30 PSI and time, uh, time that pressure for 15 seconds and watch for a drop in pressure. If we see 5 PSI drop in that time frame, the cooler is no good. The, uh, Detroit diesel engines give us 30 seconds to watch for that, uh, that 5 PSI drop in pressure. Isn't it, um, is Cummins still allowing seven pounds? I, I remember seeing the, the warranty specs for Cummins and everybody else was five and I think Cummins was seven. Have they changed that? I think that still is the, the same. I don't think it's been changed. Yeah, no, it's still, that's still correct. I think and, one, and other... one of the Sorry, things I find, yeah, one of the things I find is by the time you're losing five pounds in that time, you know, even at two or three, we have a performance and a fuel economy hit. And the thing I've always told people is leaks don't ever get better. They only get worse. So if it, lots of shops do this either as a go, no go, if they test it. And if it comes up at four pounds, they'll just say, oh, your charger cooler's fine. So I, I've always encouraged people ask for the numbers. If you're not standing there watching when they test, Ask them, and you have to tell them before they test when you drop. Don't just tell me yes or no. Tell me how much pressure was lost during the test, and then I can decide. Because honestly, if I have two or three pounds of loss, I'm going to replace the charger cooler. It's never going to get better. Yes. In fact, I'm glad you kept going because that's what I was trying to interrupt you for is exactly that. And we see it quite often. They don't give them the numbers, and like you said, it'll be a, a leak of four PSI, and past and they just keep going and obviously with air coming out like Jim said at four 450 degrees Fahrenheit that crack is only going to continue to increase with all that expansion and contraction yeah last lastly you know um, as you as you and Mike said the, the cracks don't heal themselves we know that we're often also te uh, testing at ambient temperature uh, we're not yeah, testing hold, when that hold that thought and we'll uh, we'll get to the break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about testing and then we're going to uh, try to get to a couple of your calls and questions before we have to wrap this up. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, so let me give a quick heads up. Um, we're heading into the final segment of this show. Don't hang up at the end. I'm not sure if we're going to do a second hour yet or not. So at the end of the segment, I'll come back on and we'll, we'll see whether we're going to do another hour. So hang out with us. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're talking about charge air coolers with the guys from Duralites. We're going to get right back to it. Pick up where you left off there. 
sure. You know, Kevin, uh, we were talking about the cracks in the, in the charge air coolers and, uh, and testing the, the charge air coolers. Of course, we'll have a, a given leak point uh, due to a crack at ambient temperature, but we all know that when the charge air cooler is uh, running uh, on the road uh, in excess of 400 degrees, uh, that crack is going to expand and the uh, airflow through it is going to increase. That's a really good point. So it, again, it, it lends us to look at even with minor leaks and loss of pressure, you really have to think about replacing that charger cooler. The good news is once you do it with the Duralite, it's probably the last time you're going to do it. Yeah, and the one thing, in fact, I'm going to start this, then I'll have Dean finish it because he's the one that did it. But one of the neat experiences amongst many that we had with you at the CMC and we hear it all the time, but it was kind of a neat opportunity for me to be there live and to watch it as we tested a charger, a cooler. And do you remember the details, Dean? I know the cooler was 13 years old. Do you remember the, I'll pass over to Yeah, Dean. you know what, it was, uh, we traced the serial number back and that, uh, that cooler was installed. The Duralite Evolution cooler was installed 13 years ago, August. So wow. we're coming up anniversary. Uh, the driver told me that it was over a million miles on that cooler um, that, uh, you know, since he had installed it. And when we put pressure on it, it did not leak. I don't, I think we left on the pressure on over. 20 minutes or something? Like that. Well, it was probably close to 10 minutes, okay. if I remember correctly. Wow. But we didn't lose one pound of pressure on that old Duralite Evolution cooler. And it was, uh, you know, as Mike said, very, very exciting for me because when you see that firsthand, and uh, we actually uh, had uh, the film rolling for that one as well. So um, I just absolutely loved being a part of that. So, and guys, we we're... Stories, you know, Kevin. Oh, I'll bet. I was just going to yeah. get customers calling in quite often, and Jim gets the bulk of those calls, but guys just saying, you know, I need another one for this truck, and oh, by the way, I've got one on my whatever truck, and it's been on there for 10, 12, 15. I think we had one as long as 18 years. <laughs> wow. Like yep. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've blown right through this hour. This is such great information. We have some questions, but I, I, one other thing I want to get to is what this costs you. You know, it's one thing to drive down the road, lose a little bit of horsepower. Some guys may not even notice that, but you're losing money. If the charger cooler is leaking, you are losing money. There's no question about it. Rather than spend a lot of time here, you guys have an awesome calculator on your website for this. Correct. Yeah. So if people go to your listeners, go to www.duralite.net um, and go up into, I believe it's in the top, close to the top right hand corner, I guess, yeah. is where the fuel calculator is. And you can just plug in there uh, what your current fuel economy is, uh, how many miles your average trip, um, and it'll kind of calculate for you. Um, your fuel economy and what a leaking charger and cooler will cost you, and it, it, they're staggering numbers when you really look at them. You know, with fuel prices, they've obviously come down a bit, but um, kind of one of the pieces of literature that we have has three dollars and fifty cents per gallon, so it's obviously come down from that. Yeah, about two ten now. Yep. Um, so you know, you're still somewhere in that with a leaking charger or cooler, you're you're saving you know again somewhere north of probably thirty eight hundred to four thousand um, dollars based on a leaking charger cooler around 210 a, 210 a gallon. So it, it's not insignificant. You know, when you think about it, um, 
far as the cost of our coolers, you know, we're generally somewhere around the cost of the OE cooler. You know, we're generally a little bit more, um, somewhere a little bit less, but on average we're about the cost of the OE cooler. And quite frankly, for me, when I'm talking to customers, even if it's another, call it another even $200 more than the OE, you're going to pay for that in the first month of having a non-leaking charger or cooler. And to Dean's example of going 13 years without a leak, you know, that's 13 years of not having to worry about, um, to earlier discussion, if even if the cooler's leaking at 2 or 3 or 4 PSI, your mechanic might be saying that you're still good, when it may not be costing you four or $5,000 in fuel, but it could still be costing you, you know, two, three, four thousand $4,000. So it's just critically important that they get them tested and tested regularly. Yes, and you bring me to another good point, um, that, and I'm glad we got to this. If I pull into a shop and I suspect my charger cooler is leaking and I have them tested and it is leaking and I say replace it, we need to specify to replace it with the Duralite or they're just going to grab whatever they happen to carry, right? That is absolutely correct, and Dean can probably comment because he's the one out with customers all the time, but that's Fantastic point, Kevin. Yeah, you're right. You know, um, <laughs> I, I get shops comment on that all the time that they uh, customers come in asking for Duralite on a regular basis. I'm lucky, of course, because Duralite was born and raised here uh, in uh, in Alberta, Canada. So I'm servicing customers who know the name very, very well. But uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, specify the Duralite Evolution charger cooler is what you want in your truck. Yeah, and if yes. the dealer or or diesel repair shop or whoever it is that you're dealing with doesn't have or believe they don't have access to the product, you can give us a call, and we'll, I'm sure we'll give that information to you at the end here, Kevin, of our number, just a call, and we'll help you track down. You know, even if they don't buy it through that dealer and that dealer wants to install it or whatever, we'll help you track down the cooler to make sure you get access to it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the final message I want to make sure everybody gets. We're we're giving them good information about symptoms, how to test it, how often to test it, why it's there. But the real critical thing here is you don't want another standard design charger cooler that is going to crack again. They always do. So getting the Duralite is the real solution here, you know, knowing when to test how it's all important, but you are going to find one leaking. And when you do, replace it with the Duralite, and you won't have to worry about it leaking anymore. So don't don't just walk in and say replace my charger cooler because you're taking your chances and you have no idea what you're going to get. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, we couldn't have said it better ourselves. You know, there's lots of you know. It's interesting. I've only been in the industry for four years, like I said at the beginning, and I'm surprised at how many new products have entered the market. And, um, you know, some of them are not bad and some of them are not built that well at all. So will they get you through that first six or 12 months? They will. But you're only paying a, a small amount of money less than what you could buy the Duralite for, which is going to give you that assurity of, of the seven-year million-mile warranty. So, you know, we, we've taken the entire hour on this, and I really appreciate you guys helping us out. This is great information. This is really important. Um, I, I want to give you some time to get your phone number out so people can call you with more questions. But also, um, can you guys hang around for a, another segment on our next show and take some of the questions from the callers? We would be honored. All right. Absolutely. So... We
we're going to do that. Before we do, let's make sure we get some information out. If people listen to this or they, they want to know more about Charger Coolers and about Duralite, what, what are the base for them to get a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of us is via our 800 number, which is 800-661-1117. So again, 800-661-1117. Or you can go to our website, which is www.duralite.net, again, D-U-R-A-L-I-T-E.net. Um, our website um, is a little bit on the older side, so we're working on updating that. It's a great crossing tool um, to cross your parts to kind of figure out what cooler is going to fit your truck. Um, but your best bet is to give us a call here on our 800 number, and we'll walk you through and get you whatever information you might need. Excellent. Great stuff. So, um, you know, the, to kind of wrap this up and we're going to take uh, caller questions in the next hour, but kind of to wrap this up, the, the lesson here is charger coolers will leak. So you need to be testing them often. You guys mentioned that at least a year, um, twice a year would be better. I like the idea of having my own test kit, which you guys also sell a really great test kit so that I can check it anytime I want, anytime I think I may need to, anytime, you know, I happen to have a spare 15 minutes, um, really the more often the better. Yeah, we would again agree with you on that, Kevin, you know, especially, and you know, lots of listeners will only have one truck and I still think it's well worth their time and effort to do that, but especially as you get into guys with two or three trucks, you know, we talk about the fuel economy. If a guy's losing, you know, let's call it with the, the lower fuel price is $3,500 a year because of a leaking charger or cooler. Um, you know, a test kit's about $450, so it's a pretty good investment to make sure that your cooler is not leaking. Absolutely. I, I'm looking at the clock, and we have just blown through this hour. Again, thank all of you for uh, joining us. It's great information. This is going to help a lot of people, and uh, we'll get this show posted so they can watch it. But there's the music. That means I'm all out of time. Say goodbye, guys. See you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kevin. Really appreciate it and appreciate your listeners for their support. Thank you, guys. All right. And uh, we are going to do another hour with these guys so we can get to some of your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. All right, everybody, we've got a lot of callers on the line. Um, questions, there's still room to get in. We're, we're going to take all of the charger cooler first. So if you have a question for the guys at Duralite, press one on your phone right now. You'll still, uh, there's still time to get in. And then we'll move on to general questions. Um, so if you want to line up any question at all, Go ahead and press one on your phone right now, and we'll get to those 
as well. So here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority. The list goes on and on. If you've got a question about anything at all, pick up the phone and we'll talk about it. We are uh, kind of doing a carryover from one of our other shows where I had the guys from Duralight join me and we spent an entire hour talking about charger coolers and testing and symptoms and cost and all kinds of things. And we spent so much time that we didn't get to any questions. So we're going to do that today. I've brought the guys from Duralight back in and we're going to get to some questions. So, hey guys, welcome back. Hello. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? Doing great. So um, we spent an hour. We could have easily spent another hour. There's so much we could talk about, but we got really good information out. We have some questions. There, there is one more thing I, I want to go back and cover before we get to the questions. We talked about pressure testing um, the charger cooler, which is a, a really good standard of testing. What do you guys think about the smoke testing? So, Kevin, I, again, this is Mike, and I'm the guy with uh, the only the four years' experience in the industry. So, quite frankly, I didn't know a lot about it until we were at the CMC. Um, I know you're a big advocate of it and have had some success with it. Um, so I certainly think it's another viable option for people to, uh, to test. I don't know, if Jim or Dean, if you guys have any other feedback on it. But, it, you know, I hadn't experienced it until we were with you, but it certainly seemed like a very viable way to, uh, to test it. What do you guys think? Any input? None from me. Uh, you know, uh, I tend to agree. I, I, I like the idea. If we're testing that system at all and we're identifying leaks, we're doing good for our truck. Um, the only thing that I did not see with the smoke test, and I'm not uh, about to criticize um, or comment that it's good or bad, uh, we just could not detect the level at which it leaked uh, or how much, yep. how many pounds pressure that we were losing during that test. And that's about the only other thing I have to say on it. And I completely agree. And that's, that's really what I was looking for. You know, I, I certainly don't mind criticism at all. In fact, I look for it because if there's a, a flaw with something we're doing, I want to know what it is. And I agree with you on that point. And, and I'll tell you, um, the reason you may not have, have um, seen this uh, is I think um, we may have been the ones that created this. Um, I, I was a partner in a shop um, in Tennessee, and we were actually trying to come up with a way to diagnose leaks in the air system, the brake system, because they're so hard to find. Again, it's just air leaking, it, so it, it doesn't leave a trace. And we thought, well, what if we use a smoke machine? So we ordered this pretty expensive smoke machine and it was an absolute failure. 
And we called the manufacturer of the machine and we said, hey, how come this isn't working? And they explained the problem with a brake system is you go from large open chambers down to tiny little lines and you can't keep the smoke suspended throughout the system. It just drops out. And it just, it was an absolute failure. It didn't work. And we, now we're sitting there looking at this expensive machine that has no other use on a truck. Smoke machines <laughs> are used on cars because of the vacuum system. And yeah. on a truck, it had no other use. And we thought, boy, that was dumb. And I actually have to give credit to Robert Fitzgerald. He was my partner in the shop. Um, we were standing there staring at the machine and staring at the truck. And there happened to be a truck next to us that we had taken apart to do a pressure test on. And Robert looked over and he said, hey, what if we run smoke through the charger cooler? And I said, well, let's try it. So it, it's a nice, easy way of, even a little easier than the pressure test because you pull the air filter out, put a plastic bag over it, stick it back on, that seals that end. You pull the ether port off of the intake manifold and screw the smoke machine right in. And, and the advantage we thought was we're testing the whole system without breaking any of the seals. We're not taking off any of the hoses. We're not at risk of creating a leak somewhere if we don't put it back together right. And, and we found that we were able to test the intake manifold for leaks, the all of the hoses and connections, the charger cooler, the turbo, and everything back to the intake, which we loved, but we came across that same issue. If we did see that the charger cooler itself was leaking, we had no way to know how much. So what we would do then was then we would do the pressure test on the charger cooler. So we would do it as a two-step. I, I really like both. Um, it, they, it, it's certainly easier for an owner-operator to buy your test kit and do the pressure test. The smoke machine is a little more expensive. Um, truck shops don't have them. So it, it is a, it, it, there's a little more of a hurdle to doing it, but I, I really like both. So I thought I would throw that out there for people to know yeah yeah I know it was a neat uh, experience to go through and, and to Dean's point I think our only obstacle which you guys overcame by doing it as well was figuring out you know what PSI was it leaking and you know to our earlier discussion in the last podcast around um, you know at what point does it make sense to change it is it only if it's leaking at five and our opinion is no you know it's probably somewhere in that three to four range we think you need to really consider replacing the charger cooler Good point. What do you say we get to some callers and see what they want to ask? That sounds terrific. All right. Let, uh, let's go to Texas. Patrick, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Oh, uh, I have uh, one comment uh, about something y'all were talking about in the previous show was about the price difference on the charge air coolers. Uh, yet again, you know, one of your deals doing the hard work and actually investigating into it. I actually found uh, the charge air cooler, the Duralite for my truck was almost $300 less than the OEM charge air cooler. So uh, that was a duh for me. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, but my question was, uh, they answered part of it. I believe y'all said that y'all 
contest kit ranges around uh, $450, and where would we be able to get that? Because uh, I've looked online and, and found some aftermarket ones that clamped onto the air-to-air boots that looked really unsafe, that were real cheap, but I, I haven't been able to find where to actually purchase y'all kit. Um, one of the things you, you could do for sure, just give us a call at the 800 number and we'll find uh, hopefully a kit close to you. Uh, we definitely have them in stock in our warehouses and many of our distributors stock them as well. So a call to the 800 number would uh, solve that problem. Yeah, okay. we've got a couple facilities that stock those for us in kind of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and there's one over in Houston. Um, so I don't know specifically what part of Texas you're in, but if you call our 800 number, we'll certainly help you track one down for sure. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And that's great All to right. hear that we uh, got you a $300 savings over the OE and got you an extra six years warranty over the OE. So that's great. Yeah, That's what we would refer to as kind of a no-brainer here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's uh, let's head off to Arizona. Rusty, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I've been mine for four years and uh, no leaks so far. But my question here is, is, you mentioned the air coming into the charge air cooler is 400, 450. Is there a reason why uh, wrapping a piece of aluminum with a whole bunch of roofing nails glued to it uh, to dissipate some of that heat on the intake side and the exhaust side wouldn't be beneficial? The amount of heat that you would actually reject by doing that would not be significant. The most of the air is going to be in the center of that pipe. And yeah, it's going to help a little bit what you're thinking about, but it's not a significant change. Um, Caterpillar uh, on their twin turbo engines put a, a, a pre-cooler between the charge air cooler and the turbo, uh, charge air cooler and the turbocharger. And that uh, was an effective way to knock off some temperature, but uh, just wrapping uh, the uh, piping is is not going to be a significant help. Okay, so there's no real way, other good way to dissipate any additional heat. Well, the charge air cooler is going to knock off all the heat you want to knock off, unless your your uh, engine is modified or something like that that it's got a way more uh, temperature or pressure than it's designed to do. Right, that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, my buddy's got a Corvette, and he's running a separate cooler that goes through dry ice that actually cools it. Let me uh, let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that issue in just a second. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're uh, we're talking about charger coolers. It's a carryover from a podcast we did. You can find the original on our website. Go to letstruck.com. Look under the audio road tab. And we had so many questions and so much to cover. We brought the guys back from Duralite. Guys, I, I think I can address the, the last caller because what we've been talking about so far and what the Duralite does, the Duralite brings the truck. If you've got a leaking charger cooler, the Duralite brings it back to the way it was designed to function. We get all of the cool, clean air into the intake that we need to make the engine run properly. There have been questions, and, and I looked into this over time, of could we improve on the original design? Could we get more cold air and, and more dense air in? And if you look at, you know, some other high-performance applications, I know at the end he mentioned dry ice. Um, the idea of trying to get that air even colder makes sense. It's just not practical. You know, if you're, if you're in some sort of racing environment where you can use dry ice, you're going to use up your dry ice. It's not going to last very long. And you might get that short-term performance benefit from doing that. Any other method of trying to cool that air requires more energy to cool the air than you're ever going to gain out of performance. But I, I think that's kind of where he was headed, was trying to improve on the original design. And what we're talking about is using the Duralite to make sure you have original performance for a million plus miles. Absolutely correct. Oh, well, good. I got it right. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to some more calls. Let's go to Orlando. Matt, welcome to the program. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, more just a comment and probably good news for Duralite's business. I just can't believe the number of trucks that pass me going down the road, which sound like they have a large industrial air compressor, like a sandblaster, blowing air out of somewhere on their engine. I mean, it's, I, I bet you, um, you know, anywhere from five to 10 a day past me that sounds wow. like that. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and, you know, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the, the original or the first podcast that we did, but it's just shocking to us on how many people are unaware of you know, charger coolers and the impact they have on the performance of the engine and how to get them tested and where to get them tested and why to get them tested. But uh, we see it all the time. In fact, we've got one of our other sales reps um, just loves to drive around. His name's Dan Maxwell. He's been with us for about 10, 11 years and just constantly, oh, there's a leaking cooler. Oh, there's another leaking cooler. Oh, there's another leaking cooler. Because um, you can, again, just you can literally almost pick them out as you're driving behind them. Yeah, and I mean, you know, somebody that's only leaking the, you know, three to five pounds, those are almost impossible to hear over yeah. the engine noise. And so these guys that are leaking that much, it's they don't even have any pressure, I would assume. But right. Um, my other comment is just, you know, doing the test is very, very simple. The kit that you guys sell, I've used it, and I mean, it's not a very time-consuming process, and you don't even really need much for tools, uh, either a screwdriver or more preferably most of them are the 5 on the 
big hose clamps for the air and uh, an air hose. Yes, yeah, we, um, again, talked a little bit about that in the last podcast, but, you know, it, it's kind of a 15-minute process and well worth doing um, because the money savings that comes with acknowledging you've got a leaking cooler is significant. Yeah. Kevin, uh, in, in regards to the simplicity of that test, um, you know, and you talked about this a little bit as well, how often do we need to do it? Is it going to be once a year, twice a year? Uh, I know some companies will go on intervals of 1,400 hours. It's entirely up to you, but um, it's really important to know that you've got that tester kit on your tool bench or on your shelf in the back room uh, in case you sus are suspicious of a leak for whatever reason, if you see a change in performance of that truck, I always tell guys too, if they're working on a, on a belt and they've already got one side of that piping pulled on their charge air cooler, well, there's a 15-minute test that just became a nine-minute test because they're halfway there. Good point. Good point. Hey, wh while we're talking, Matt, did you have anything else? No, that was it. I'm, I'm good. All right. Thanks for the call. While we're on that topic, guys, when when I had the shop in Tennessee and we had a, a concept we were working on, um, we were we were doing things very different rather than wait for a truck to break and then try to fix it. We were working on the concept of one modifying and upgrading just to make the truck better in every way we could, whether it was, you know, fuel economy, lowering maintenance costs, improving performance. Our focus was on making the truck better. But then our, our other focus was on making sure the truck stayed functioning properly and it didn't break. So we were doing more troubleshooting and diagnostics to, to stay on top of things, making sure the electrical system was always in good condition um, and the charger cooler was a part of that. And one of the things we had just started offering um, before, the, the shop concept didn't work completely. We haven't killed it. We're, we're thinking about actually bringing it back again in, in a different form. But one of the things we were going to do, and I'm wondering if you have any shops that do this, we were going to do a free charger cooler test on every truck that came in. And our belief was one, we're doing our customers a, a real service by just doing it for them at no charge. And like you said, if you're good at it, it's 14 or 15 minutes. We could eat that as a shop. Um, we'd be doing them a good service. And ultimately, I thought it would have monetized itself anyway, because there are so many leaking charger coolers. I figured we'd get enough charger cooler replacements to cover the cost of doing all the free testing. Yes, I'm going to have Dean comment on that in a minute because he's out in the field more than I am. But there are absolutely um, some shops across the U.S. and Canada that do that um, for the very reason you just described, Kevin, because, you know, it takes them 15 minutes. Um, so, yeah, it's going to cost them X amount of dollars. But they know if they do enough tests, they're going to sell enough coolers to cover the cost. You know, a lot of them have implemented... Um, and not as many as, as we would like, but certainly some have implemented kind of a, you know, a 21 point or 31 point or 51 point type inspection and testing the charger or cooler has been included in that. So the shops that test consistently, we're always, you know, we can kind of literally look at our, our sales analysis and, and tell which ones are testing regularly and which ones are not, because it's not a matter of if they're leaking, it's just finding the leaks. Dean, you can comment, you're out 
visiting with our dealers all the time. Well, you, you know what, Mike, you said it very, very well. I know who's testing and who's not just based on the number of coolers they're moving out of that shop. Um, but yes, uh, Kevin, you're right. There are uh, there are diesel shops that are uh, proactive and, um, and and they're doing the preventative maintenance and they're looking for that leak uh, on a regular basis. So if you've got a mechanic uh, that's doing that for you, then that's that's really really good news. Um, going further than that, some of the large shops, I, I think that there's a drivers who are disillusioned to believe that that test may be being done, especially uh, one story that comes to mind, I know that an engine rebuild was performed and uh, the truck returned to the customer and they still had some problems with that, with the power. Uh, it just wasn't running up to par or parallel to uh, the similar vehicles in the fleet. And nobody looked at the charge air cooler. Well, of course I did a test for them and of course the charge air cooler would not even pressure up to 30. It was losing air at about 18 pounds, and that was that uh, maximum shop pressure going in. So um, very, very important, uh, you know, for those mechanics to be proactive. And the final thought on that is, um, is the fleets that I know have purchased tester kits, uh, Duralite tester kits, are definitely doing, uh, and I'm not sure what the uh, protocol is in the U.S., but we call it the CVIP, the Vehicle Inspection. Uh, on an annual or six-month basis, uh, depending on the province they're in, uh, they'll put it on a checklist to test that charger cooler at that time on a regular basis. And it's no secret, they're spending the time uh, invested in testing that charger cooler regularly on every truck in their fleet because they recognize that the payback uh, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say for a shop to do this free, I just think is a win-win for everybody. This is a condition that the sooner we diagnose it, the better off the truck owner is. You don't want to let it leak for three months because you're losing money that whole time. So it's a win for the customer of the shop to get it done free because free is better than paying for it. Uh, if we identify the problem, it's a huge win for the truck owner because they caught it sooner and they'll start saving money sooner. And the shop, we, you guys know, and we know this, there's enough leaking charger coolers out there that the shop will make enough money replacing charger coolers. It's one of those things that it really is a win-win for everybody. And I, I wish more shops would do it. And I'm sure you guys do as well. And you're out there promoting it. and We'll keep promoting it. Um, I've got to get to a break. We're going to come back and get to more calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, so we've got uh, two more charger cooler questions, which we should be able to get to in this next segment. And then we have the fourth segment open for any questions. So um, if you press one on your phone right now, 
we'll be able to get to your call and question in the final segment. Um, so go ahead and press one on your phone right now and we will get to you in the fourth segment. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I've got the guys here from Duralight, and we're talking about charger coolers. This is actually our second show on charger coolers. We had so much to cover and so many questions. You can find the first episode on our website. Go to letstruck.com, look under the audio road tab, and you'll find it in there. Um, we're going to get back to some phone calls. We're going to go to New Mexico. JR, welcome to the program. Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Good. Good. What's on your mind? Hey, I um, just rebuilt my big six NZ cat, my O3 Columbia, and I've been having some overheating issues. So I'm going up to Pittsburgh Power to have them put one of their radiators in, troubleshoot the Evans coolant, little uh, bypass resistor, and all that stuff. But they also over 400,000 miles of my charge air cooler. And don't misunderstand me, guys. I am sold on Duralite ten times over. But Pittsburgh Power mentioned to me that they also had a uh, charge air cooler now that I thought he said was a seven-year seven-year one million mile warranty. And I was just curious if you guys knew anything about that. There are definitely lots of competing products in the marketplace, and uh, there's people that have extended warranties for sure. Um, I don't know how many of them have been around for 22, 23, 24 years now, uh, offering a big long warranty. Um, and definitely there's nobody that we're aware of that is using a, a silicone uh, ground mount on each tube like we do. Yeah, and I think that's the big factor because they're, and again, not to speak ill of our competitors because there's some great companies out there that make great products, um, but we just know because of the way they're manufactured, they're not going to get the longevity that, they, that we've experienced with our the seven-year million mile because, like Jim said, we've been doing it for 23 years. We've seen what our failure rates are. And one of the things, quite frankly, that we probably don't spend enough time talking about is for the first, and we still do it to some extent today, but for the first number of years, every single charger cooler that failed came back to our manufacturing facility to determine and isolate exactly why that cooler failed and what we needed to do so that that cooler would no longer fail. And so we have done, I don't know, Jim can probably explain it better than I, but thousands and thousands of additional hours in our engineering to make sure that you know, our hot side, in a lot of cases, the tank is quite a bit thicker because we know how hot that air is that's coming in out of the turbo on that side and we're having failure problems. So it's not to say that there's not other good products on the market because there is, but we just know from the design of them that thermal fatigue we talked about in that first podcast with that expansion and contraction that eventually that cooler is going to crack. Um, so whether they can warranty it for not or warranty it for seven years or not, I can't really comment on that. We just know that we have a history of coolers lasting substantially longer than seven years. Well, we'll and I'll jump in. Air cooler out. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check it out and take it apart. And uh, if it's like the one that's coming out, I'm I'm definitely going with a Duralite. You know, because I know I know what these stock ones are like. I've replaced enough of them, and that's why I'm sold on you guys. You know, as soon as this, as soon as I get up there, I expect a Duralite going in there. I just didn't know what they were talking about the way they kind of came up with it when I was talking about a radiator. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll jump in. Yeah, please, I'll jump in there real quick. 
Yeah, just because I have so much history with Pittsburgh Power. And one of the things I love about those guys, they're, they're always innovating. They're always looking for a better way of doing things. And on the radiator side, they have a tremendous amount of experience. It, and I'll tell you why, because their history, 30 plus years, they build high performance engines. And one of the problems you run into with high performance is enough cooling. You know, you, you've got to keep those high performance engines cool. And a lot of times they were building engines that the, the factory radiators just couldn't keep up with. So they started looking at custom built radiators, more tubes, dimpled tubes, anything they could to get better cooling. Um, and that makes total sense on a, on a cooling system, on the radiator. We know the factory can only handle so much, and there's a way to improve that. We talked earlier about trying to improve the air intake, and there really just isn't any practical way of doing it. What we just hope to do is, is maintain the cooling we have without having a leak. And really, you guys have the best solution to that. I, there, like you say, there are other good products on the market, but, but we can't really build a high-performance charger cooler. It, it just, we, we just want that factory cooling level we have, and we want it not to leak. And like I say, you guys have, in my opinion, the best solution for that. Yeah, yeah, we would concur with that. You know, it, it's, Dean made a good point while you were chatting there that warranty is one thing and the durability is another so we see that quite often. There's a couple of competitors in particular that have come up with longer warranties, um, and we talk to the customer and the dealers that are, you know, they're replacing it two or three times over a seven-year period, and that's great. They're honoring the warranty, and that's terrific. But do you have the time to have that truck down two or three times to get that charger or cooler replaced? And that's a great point, because if we think about this, if we just ask somebody the question up front, this is a no-brainer. You wouldn't even think twice about this. If you pull into my shop and say, here, look, I can put in this charger cooler with a seven-year warranty, and it has a less than 1% failure rate. You're never going to replace this one. So the warranty is great, but you're not going to need it. Or I have this other charger cooler, and it has a seven-year warranty. It's got a much higher failure rate, so there's a pretty good chance you're going to have to come back. and We'll replace it. It won't cost you anything. Well, yes, that's kind correct. of a no-brainer, <laughs> and, and that's really and that, what they're saying. It, it is, and, and we see it. And, and again, you get the odd one that's going to make it through the seven years, but we see lots that in that seven-year period or 10-year period are getting two or three charger coolers replaced. And, you know, they're honoring the warranty, um, and in some cases I'm sure there's some challenges with that as well, but when they honor the warranty, it's yeah. still yeah. downtime, and, and what does that cost you? Well, you know, here's here's another reason I, I always look at, you know, the rest of the story. Here's another reason companies can offer that. A lot of times the truck isn't going to be in, with the same owner for seven years. So I buy this charger cooler that has a seven year warranty. Two years later, I get rid of the truck. The next guy doesn't even know there is a warranty. He doesn't even know what kind of charger cooler was in there or when it was replaced. So a lot of times, even though the charger cooler with a seven-year warranty is going to fail, they may not have to replace it anyway. Yes, 100%. 100%. I agree with you. Let, let, let's get to some more calls. We're off to Minnesota. Dean, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin, I got on here late. So some of the questions, I'm, I want to know the uh, tester that Duralite offers 
and if it tests the entire system or does it just do the uh, um, charge air cooler itself? The, I know you've like, gone over it. I know you've gone over it already, but I missed that part of it. Yeah, the, the Duralight tester kit just tar, uh, tests the charge air cooler. It does not test the whole system. Okay, that's that would be my main question because I was looking at a smoke machine to test everything as compared to what your system is. Yeah, yeah. and Dean, I'll jump in there again. We really like the idea of both. I, you know, the, the smoke test, if you have the machine, can be quick and easy and test the whole system. But if the leak turns out to be in the charger cooler and we can see some smoke, then we would always throw the Duralight test kit on it and pressure test the charger cooler. So I really like both. So the smoke system is not able to check the uh, charge air as far as pressure. It, uh, correct. It can okay. show us a leak, but it doesn't show us the volume of the leak. And, and with the pressure test, we have those numbers available. We can quantify the leak and know if we need to replace the charger cooler or not. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Marilyn. Philip, welcome to the program. Uh, good. Philip, could you come closer to your phone or scream or do something? I can barely hear you. Can you hear me now? Is it better or not? Uh, a little better, but not much. I'm going to need more volume out of you. Okay, just hold on. I'll try it. Is that better? There, there we go. Much better. Go ahead. All right. I had a brainstorm idea. You tell me what you think about it. When you're talking about your your cooler there, what would happen if you would make the thing like some of these equipment that they have does not have it in, or a truck or whatever? Take your AC and somehow hook that in to make it work, and that would cool your air down farther. Would that be better or worse? Or well, is again, no gain in that? I'll jump in with my opinion, and and you guys can jump in if you have to add. The problem is, is there there is no free ride. Um, energy, we're, all we're ever doing really is converting energy from one form to another, and there's always a cost to doing that. So, right. yes, you could gain a little performance by cooling the air more, but remember, air conditioning doesn't come free. And exactly. it, it, See, that's that, what I was... Yeah, the air conditioning doesn't benefit. come free. We, we have to pull horsepower off the engine to run the air conditioning pump, we have to pull electricity off the engine. And all of those things cost, they, they cost energy. And energy requires fuel. So you may be able to get a performance increase. You're not going to get a cost effective uh, solution by trying to cool it further. Um, we'll get to a break. We'll come back. We'll get to more of your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm, I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're uh, talking with the guys from Duralight. Hey, guys, I can't believe it. We're on uh, the last segment of our second hour. Obviously, a, uh, a very important topic for everybody. So thank you guys again. No, thank you. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we've got a couple more questions, but I want to make sure that um, people listening to this segment, um, if they didn't get to listen to the prior show, I know there are people out there with more questions about charger coolers, and I want to make sure that they find out about Duralight and understand the difference. How do they get a hold of you guys if they have questions after they hear this? So best way to get hold of us, Kevin, is to give us a call on our 800 number, which is 800 661 1117. Again, that's 800 661 1117. Or they can go to our website, which is www.duralite.net, which is D U R A L I T E.net. Uh, we're working on updating our website so it's not as interactive as we'd like it at the moment. So their best bet's probably to give us a call on the 800 number. Um, and then one of our customer support agents can walk them through and get them whatever information they might need. Excellent. All right. Let's get back to some more calls and see if we can knock a couple out. Let's go to North Dakota. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, I got a question about um, my turbo. Actually, it goes back to my first oil analysis. I did, I did an out-of-frame rebuild, 12.7 uh, pre-EGR. In April, pulled my first oil sample. I was real high on fuel dilution and soot. And I put the aftermarket turbo on underneath uh, Pittsburgh Power's exhaust manifold. And basically it's spec just like their turbo. It's the Ford Warner Airworks turbo. And as compared to stock, the exuder outlet, you know, leading to the exhaust, is about a half inch bigger OD than the stock um, waste-gated turbo. So my RPM's got to come up about 350 to $400 more. Basically, I just changed the power band. And I'm wondering if that could be putting the soot in my, uh, in my oil. It's taken um, so long for the turbo to boost up. I, I'll jump in. It shouldn't because... The, you know, if everything is functioning properly on that engine, the ECM won't put more fuel into the cylinder that, than you need based on the boost. So, you know, that's the beauty of an electronic engine. All of these things are really well controlled by the ECM. So I, I, there, there could be a sensor malfunctioning somewhere, but that's not the most common reason. So we would look for the, the easier things to test for first. You know, do we have right, any well, intake? I got, Go ahead. Yeah, I got the fleet air filter. Um, you know, I check my charger cooler, like you guys say, with my maintenance, you know, every time I do an oil drop. Um, so, I mean, consequently, I drained four gallons out to get. Another symptom I got is uh, I was right at about 5% fuel dilution. So, I mean, I, I sent my ECM to Pittsburgh Power. When I put my new six-pack of injectors and I had them supposedly put the codes right into my ECM. Now, I haven't checked that yet, but would that be dumping excess fuel if my 
injector timing codes aren't in my ECM. Yes, and and now you know when we see high soot and high fuel dilution, ninety nine percent of the time it's an injector issue, and even when we see six brand new injectors. I, I can't tell you how many times we've had a little bit of fuel dilution. Somebody replaces an entire set of injectors and it gets worse. The the injector quality that's on the market has gone way down. They're all they're all remands. The installs now you may have somebody really good installing it, but I've seen a lot of bad installs where seals aren't aren't seated properly and we get leaks that way. So I, I would stay where the evidence is pointing right now. Um, that turbo should be possible. I know lots of trucks set up exactly the way yours are, and we have low, low soot numbers. So I, I All right, well, I put my own injectors in. So, I mean, I've okay. seated them, took them out, reseated them. Everything went in smooth and clean and simple, and there was no okay. issues. I got a reman head. My injector cups were seated properly. I mean, I'm, it's all, um, yeah. You know, when I bring when I bring the truck in and have them check injectors, if there's no external leaks, they can't, you know, nobody flow benches these things anymore. So to actually see any leaks, you know, from the nozzle, don't they actually have to pull them out and bench test them? Yeah, and, and we could be, it may not be a leak. It may just be a really poor spray pattern sometimes gives us fuel in a way that we can't burn it efficiently and then we get so there are several problems an injector could have but i I would be looking at injectors and it could be bad injector codes you know if you get if you get a code where we're just dumping all kinds of fuel in the cylinder that's where i was talking about the ecm managing that fuel flow but it has to have the right information to do it so I, I, I would stay on the injectors till you solve this. Um, hey, guys, we're, we're almost out of time. I've got a couple general questions, but uh, I, I'm going to let you guys go. And I want to thank you again. You, you took all this time out of your day, and I know you guys are busy, and this was great information. So uh, thanks again for helping us out. No, Kevin, thank you so much. We appreciate your listeners calling in and offering their feedback and comments and appreciate uh, their support and your support. And we will have both of these episodes posted up on our network. So you can go to letstruck.com, look under the audio road tab, and you can go back and listen to this as many times as you want. So thanks again to the guys from Duralight. And if you have any more questions, give them a call. They'd be more than happy to help you out. Let's go to Wisconsin. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I was listening to a news program and just barely caught the tail end of it, but they were talking about red wine and the nutrients in their restaurant. I may be booking uh, that. Uh, just a little bit. I'll help you out with that because it's kind of an odd word. It's resveratrol. Resveratrol. Strange uh, word. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about... Uh, making that into a supplement form have you heard anything about that i have resveratrol supplements have been around for for quite a while um and and let me give you my opinion on this so yes there is resveratrol in red wine there's also resveratrol in grape juice um both of them have some issues grape juice is way too high in sugar um wine is obviously alcohol 
and I like wine mm-hmm. and I drink wine, but you can't possibly get enough resveratrol from wine without getting too much alcohol. You can't get it from grape juice without getting too much sugar. So should we supplement with it? I, I don't think so. Um, there isn't a lot of testing to show that, you know, really high amounts of this. So let, let's talk about what resveratrol does. It's an antioxidant. And antioxidants um, protect our body from free radical damage. And there's lots of antioxidants. Um, Vitamin C is a really good antioxidant. Vitamin E is a really good antioxidant. Um, And there are lots of others. Resveratrol has some unique properties. And if you're getting a little bit of resveratrol from, you know, regular use of red wine, like say the French who tend to drink wine, you know, often, but not a lot. So what does that mean? Well, it means they drink wine, maybe even, you know, twice a day, lunch and dinner, but they may only drink a small glass each time. You know, you can't sit down and polish off a bottle on Friday night and, you know, think that you're going to get health benefits from that. Um, I'm just not a big fan of, of supplementing. And here's why. Red wine does have resveratrol, but it has a thousand other compounds as well. And it probably has things we haven't even identified yet. So we may believe it's the resveratrol doing something. Maybe it's a totally different compound. Maybe it's a combination of 32 compounds all working together. And when we pull one out and make a supplement out of it, we may not be getting any benefits. So I, I've talked about my opinion about supplements, that when we find a specific problem and we target a supplement and we can see the results, then I'm okay with it. For example, stomach acid. If we know somebody has weak stomach acid, which is easy to test for, we can give them stomach acid, hydrochloric acid as a supplement, and we can immediately see the results. Digestion changes. We, we know that it worked. You take this resveratrol supplement and it's supposed to be an antioxidant, we have no way to measure whether it's working or not. So I'm just not a big fan of taking a supplement and hoping it was the right thing and it's doing something. So um, resveratrol supplements have been around, not something I recommend. There's the music, we're all out of time. Thanks for joining us, we'll see you next show. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work, and master the journey. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.